Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial, and I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And this is the program where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is uh, germane to every business, and that's risk mitigation. And I'm pleased to welcome Van Carlson, who's the founder and CEO of SRA 831B Admin. Van, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thank you, Dave. I look forward to our conversation and uh, getting the word out on our, what we do as a company. Sounds good. Well, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so uh, I'm in the exciting world of risk management. Uh, been doing that for almost 30 years and uh, been helping business owners uh, now around the country uh, manage risk. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Risk became pretty evident to a lot of people last year uh, with COVID-19. Uh, but prior to that, I really got into, you know, I was, I was running a pretty successful property casualty agency up until 2008 uh, when I saw a lot of business owners, unfortunately, go out of business due to the, the Great Recession. And I, I, there had to be a better way uh, to manage risk, the financial risk business owners take every day. And I saw I was I saw a witness I was witness to people that took some strategies and really developed them over the years leading up to 08. and I became a real believer in in the 831B tax code, and so uh, that's where I sold my agency, went into this full time, and now we we've, we've been helping clients uh, mitigate risk with the very little known tax code out there that uh, a lot of business owners unfortunately don't know about. And that's really where I, that's where I really elevated my professionalism and risk management with business owners was taking this very little known tax code that Fortune 500 companies were utilizing and trying to bring it down to the point where small market business owners, mom and pops, entrepreneurs, uh, startups, and those types of businesses could take advantage of it. No different than any you know, the people they're competing with. And that that's that's where we're at. And uh, it's exciting. It's interesting. It's it's. I got a great team of people, and and now we're up to almost two hundred representatives around the country representing our products. So, uh, you know, I tell people it's been a thirteen year overnight success story, but uh, you know, it's taken a lot of hard work, and and we continue uh, really getting the word out, uh, helping business owners uh, take advantage of all the tools available to them. Well, anytime we can get a, uh, a secret tool that the, uh, the big guys are using and share it with middle market and uh, the smaller entities, it, it's always a good thing. So why don't we start by you explaining what an, an 831 thing is. You mentioned it. It's in the name of your firm, 831B. <laughs> well, the best way, when we, when we dive into it, we really uh, want to compare. Uh, there's only two tax codes that allow business owners to defer income for business, right, and still take it, you know, Take a deduction with it, and one one as everybody knows is the four hundred one k. So when we talk about four hundred one k and eight thirty one b, that's just where they're at in the stat the statute of the tax code, right? So eight four hundred one k everybody understands that's designed for retirement of the owners and employees, um, and you you know the the business is deducting that contribution, and then it's going into the retired retired accounts for under the four hundred one k. Now, there's rules and regulations. There's plenty of uh, courts cases that kind of you know dictate how you're supposed to run one of these things. And there's a lot of administrators out there as well, right? 
So we're we're an 831B admin as well. So we kind of we kind of mirror that with the 401k administrators. So an 831B though allows you to deduct uh, premium, no different than a work comp or anything else, goes into an 831B if you're self-insuring risk. If you can't transfer risk through traditional means, right? Like, you know, if I can buy fire insurance for my building, I'm gonna buy through travelers. But if I'm gonna be a good example would be last year. If I'm going to own a commercial building that has a dentist practice in it and they're forced to shut down politically due to municipality closing down of COVID-19 issues, that's called an indirect loss where I don't have a direct loss. I don't have a fire on the building. So I can't call can't call it up and get business interruption coverage. But if the building just shuts down because of one, you know, there's a lot of reasons why buildings shut down, unfortunately, that are caused due to indirect losses. And most policies, if not all policies out there, are excluding indirect losses. And so that's where we come in and kind of, you know, help with the business owners understand the risks that they're self-insuring for and then explain why this tax code exists. You go back in, the tax code came in existence in 1986, tax reform, which I would tell you, in our lifetime, currently, it's the biggest reform act since we've been alive, uh, 1986. Um, they made a lot of changes. But what was also happening when there, they called the critical liability crisis, where people were being non-renewed if they had one simple claim. Business, uh, a lot of insurance companies were, were struggling to try to make a profit. Um, it was, you know, you're coming out of the 70s, going into the 80s. Times are tough. Um, you had hyperinflation. I mean, there's a variety of things that were going on. And, you know, one of the things about the IRS, one of the things about our tax code is, is if I'm self-insuring risk, that's not a deduction. Now, if I'm buying a policy to transfer that risk, I can deduct it. Well, Congress said, hey, let's get together on this. And, you know, you know, back then we had maybe some meeting of the minds, compromising. Tip O'Neill, Ronald Reagan, I mean, look, look, you know, Ronald Reagan was a Republican, the, the Tip O'Neill was a, a Democrat, it was a Democrat-run Congress, and they got together and compromised and got this code to the table. And it really is a code that created an incentive for you to own some kind of an 831B plan to, to recognize self-insuring risk. Now, there's rules and regulations just like the 401K. And that's really where we as the admin that's why we have a job. That's why we work with our clients or we consult with them on how to properly own an 831B plan. No different than the 401k administrators. And that's really where, unfortunately, the code has been on books almost 40 years. And, and believe me, the big boys have been using it for a long, long time. Um, really successful businesses in, your, in most communities own some kind of form of an 831B. Because there's just a lot of risks they can't transfer to. They can't, intellectual property is one of them. Or let's say you have a hazardous type material that you're manufacturing. It's a very limited product liability. I mean, I can go on and on about a lot of the self-insuring risks that are out there to business owners. But even traditional insurances, um, they find themselves in self-insuring a lot of those risks as well. And so that's why the code exists. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, leading up to last year, we had a lot of clients in our program that you know weathered the storm better than their competitors did you know because they were able to take a little bit off the top every year and park it off to the side into an 831b and when the time came they had those funds available to use that they weren't dependent on the line of credit at a bank for they didn't have to go down to 
cash in their 401k to pull out money to keep their business and pay their rent and everything else, right? These these were tools that were available to them. It's just, un, unfortunately, a lot of them didn't know about it. Um, and so that's why we appreciate being on shows like yours because um, we got to get the word out. You know, we don't know. I hope we don't ever experience another COVID-19. I hope we're not, not forced to shut down the entire economy for I don't know how long it was. Um, some would argue it still is, but... Um, you know, I don't know when the next time is. Nobody does. Nobody has the crystal ball. But, you know, this, again, is a tool toolbox that most business owners aren't aware of. And it's our job to make sure they are. And they can make a decision to go forward or not. But I think they owe it to themselves, their employees, their family, and the business they build. If there's a better way to mitigate the risk, then I owe it to myself to do it. To at least look into it. Yeah, clearly you're passionate about what you do. Van, tell people who are watching and listening how they can contact you if they want to learn more about this. You know, it's 831B.com is our website. Um, you know, that's the best place to start, um, 831B.com. They can go on, look at the videos, understand. They can certainly reach out to us through our team uh, there. And like I said, we have a lot of advisors throughout the country, and we'd love to hook them up with somebody locally if we, if we have somebody. To go and educate them and have them understand, you know, the, the rules and regulations. I mean, unfortunately, they, this this code has been abused, um, but so has the four hundred one k been abused when it first started. Um, as it, as awareness becomes more and more, hopefully, we start cleaning up some of the stuff. But the, the tax code was hijacked for about fourteen years, really for estate tax purposes. And again, it's getting to that upper echelon of people that have estate tax problems. Uh, they took this tool and they manipulated it into something else that it wasn't never designed to by Congress. And uh, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to write another article. I wrote an article recently for Forbes magazine talking about the five abuses of 831Bs. And we're actually getting ready to, to submit another one uh, talking about the crisis of the 80s and why the 831B came into existence. Looking at that decade and looking at the situations we're in, we're kind of leading that into that again, unfortunately, was based on some of the things that are happening with the insurance industry and with the hardening of markets, having a harder, rougher time making a return on their money. Um, we're starting to see a lot of hardening and things changing in that in, in the traditional insurances as well. And so, uh, again, I get geeked out on that stuff. I don't expect most business owners to get too excited about their insurance program, but um, it's important. It's yeah. really important. No question. Uh, and, and that's yeah. a, a good stopping point for us to take a quick commercial break. So, Van, you sit tight. You watching and listening. Uh, we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. So, I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. 
my human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but, you know, she's putting them in the same basket. Again. It's like, hello? That's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide-and-go-seek. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about risk mitigation with Van Carlson, founder and CEO of SRA 831B Admin. So, Van, at the end of the uh, the first segment, you had alluded to a Forbes article that you had written, and it would, basically it's the five things to look out for in this world of 831B. Probably a great idea, if you wouldn't mind. Why don't you share what those tips are? Sure. Um, you know, so when I when I talk about an 831B plan. It has to go into a box and the box has to look like an insurance company. And now if you're going to, so I don't want to get too complicated with your listeners, your viewers. It's just that the box has to look like an insurance company. We as the admin again, make sure that the box is an insurance company. Um, so you have to act like one, right? So you can't insure for implausible risk, risk that you're not subject to. Um, again, there's a lot of tax incentives. I, I should have, the biggest tax incentive, right? It's in the 831B, just like the 401k. You, the contributions that go into an 831B are not taxable. So, you know, in this in this event, and when the code got passed, it was $1.2 million. Now, with the PATH Act changes in 2017, Congress actually upped that to 2.3 with an inflation rider. Uh, so now it's a little 2.3 and some change. Um, 2.3 million per year you can put into these plans. Well, when you talk talking about millions, you know, again, you know, there's rules and regulations in these things. There's tax advantages to them. Uh, and so that's really where the abuses come in is when the implausible acts, uh, they're not acting the principles of insurance. There's not active reserves or solvencies of the insurance company. There's a list of things that go into those things. But I just want to make sure, you know, the four-part tests our clients are required that we as their admin make sure they have is the transfer of risk, risk distribution, fortuitous risk, which is basically insurance can't be a business risk, right? It has to be an insurable risk, meaning it's an unforeseen and unplanned event. Uh, COVID-19, again, is a good example of that, right? So business risk, you can't be insuring for types of business risk. And then the last one, you have to act in principles of insurance. Those are our four-part tests. And that's really what kind of dives into that article a little bit, talking about looking out, not having those tests adhered to. will get the taxpayer in trouble. We'll get a business owner in trouble. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, there has been some abuses and games have been played. And hopefully the IRS cleans some of those folks up um, to the point where, you know, this will become a normal business practice. I'm convinced of that. I, I see it all the time. I, I read 
the periodicals I read, most people don't read, you know, when it comes to risk management, but I can just see some of the things that are taking up in traditional insurances and with the complexities of life of, of commerce. I mean, look at the supply chain risk right now. It's being stretched. Who's into who's out there offering supply chain risk insurance policies today? Nobody is. And nobody will because it's, it's, it's too catastrophic an event potentially, right? Insurance companies don't like catastrophic losses. Um, you know, so again, um, you know, that's really what the basis of the, the four-part test. And that's where we, as your admin of your plan, adhere to and make sure our clients do. And and there are some calculated risk in the scene. When I talk about the second test, it's called risk distribution. You know, you're going to have to get to the law of large numbers. That's one of the basic principles of insurance. Well, some of these things you're going to have to share in risk of other people. But that's how all of these insurance companies started over the years. You know, when you look at Farmers insurance, it took two farmers getting together in Southern California because they couldn't buy uh, auto li- uh, commercial liability insurance for their, their vehicles on the road for farming. And so they formed a co-op. And so a lot of these small, a lot of these businesses that we are insurance companies we look at have been around for over 100 years ago. They all started like a, a form of a co-op. And, and so we're taking some of these risks you can't buy traditionally, you can't transfer and we're putting them in these 831B plans so businesses can mitigate risk more effectively and more efficiently on their own. And then we're looking at traditional insurances as well to put them in these plans as well, especially if you're paying exorbitant amount of premiums and you got good loss ratios, you've done everything right, safety, you know, all that stuff. There's there's advantages there as well for business owners to, to, to look at taking their, their entire insurance program in-house. And there's, a, again, a ton of advantages there. And this is one of these tools where it's not working in your business, it's working on your business. So when I sit down with business owners, I want to make sure we're in the right frame of mind here. Uh, I'm, we're not trying to build a spaceship. Uh, we don't want it to sound like a spaceship sometimes, but, you know, it is insurance and there's a learning curve to it. But at the same time, we're not here to complicate their lives either. As their admin, um, we're very easy to work with and uh, consult with them constantly and answer any questions or concerns they may have. But moving forward into this new realm of post-COVID, I, you know, it's caused a lot of business owners to be concerned about self-insuring risk. And, and we're here to answer and consult with those, those clients as needed. Yeah, it, it sounds complicated, Van. Is it difficult to set one of these things up? It's not. It's not. Now, it is a C-Corp. So, you know, we have to find domiciles that we prefer and we set up a C-Corp. That's some of the tax advantages to the program is, you know, you take an income out of an operating company. If it's an S-Corp or LLC, you would have done a pass-through. Now you're expensing it. Now you're dumping it into a C-Corp. And then down the road, you might get a dividend or capital gains, and it might be less than what you would have paid on income. Uh, that's the big difference between a 401k and 831b, right? 401k, you're, you're still going to pay income taxes on it down the road. You're just deferring it. Where with an 831B, you can defer it, and maybe you win, maybe you don't. We don't know. Capital gains and dividends taxes get kicked around based on the administration and what's going on at the federal level all the time. So, you know, we hope our clients win on that. But bottom line for us, it's about deferring taxes, mitigating risk, and having a war chest, a rainy day fund, whatever you want to call it, to fight the fight in the, in the event you need to. And again, I hate to keep coming back to it, but I think last year was a, a glaring issue, a glaring moment for a lot of business owners. Um, and again, leading up to that, just taking a little bit off the top and parking it off to the side is great risk mitigation, but it's just good business. 
Yeah, so saving for that rainy day and having the, the tax advantage aspect and in incorporating that uh, sounds like a winning combination. Van, for folks who are just tuning in, how can they reach out to you if they want to connect with you? The best way is really go on our website, um, 831b.com uh, is our website. Uh, you'll find a lot of information on there. There's videos. We're happy to provide a lot of materials, case studies, all sorts of stuff to you. You just have to reach out to us via the email. Uh, and you can find my team on there as well. And, and like I was saying earlier, too, we have representatives all over the country. And if we can certainly uh, put you together with somebody locally, we'd love to do that. Um, you know, and, and so really it's, you know, like a business owners owe it to themselves. I mean, if you survived last year, you survived 08, you survived. You know, there's always going to be another another event, unfortunately. Um you know, and, uh, you know, if you can mitigate that and make yourself sleep easier at night, that is, you know, one of the best compliments we get from our clients is that, that, um, Dan, I'm just glad I've done your program because I just sleep a little bit easier at night knowing that I've done this. I've planned this. I set this up. Um, and that, that's the greatest compliment any uh, professional, especially risk management, can get from a business owner. Yeah, I mean, one of the big risks that we're seeing now as a, a big news item is the, uh, the supply chain disruption. So that's another unforeseen risk that you guys may be able to protect against, right? No, we do. We do. We, we had some pretty big supply chain risk claims come in last year. Uh, you know, it's funny. It, it's not funny, actually. It's just, it's just contracts, right? You sign out for a contract, you, you contribute, you know, you, you, you uh, commit to a timeline. And just because there's disruption on your supply chain doesn't mean that timeline still ha can't be met. We had a client last year. Um, he had to divert um, materials to some pretty big um, businesses that required certain things coming into uh, school, school clothes. And he had to put it on air freight to get it here in time. It was an increase of almost $400,000 of expenses. Now, you, he already signed the contract. He already got paid for the materials. He ate the 400000 The nice thing with our program is he was able to offset that off with our program with an A31B, which didn't go into his cash flow, kept his business afloat, and this wasn't that so detrimental to his business. It would have been. But without the with the A31B, he was able to get through it much easier than – because, you know, when you're getting contracted like that, the banks aren't going to come to you help you either, right? So – you know, we call it the double negative. When something's negative things going on, you have a contraction of cash flow coming in, but you have an expense ratio going up. You know, where's that money going to come from? And again, that's why Congress passed the code back in the 80s. Same situation was happening. Gotcha. So, Van, we only have a few minutes to go in the program, but I want you to share some, some tips, some advice that if you were you know, meeting somebody and you were doing an elevator ride with them and you were going up to maybe the 23rd floor, uh, what might you tell somebody on, on best way to, to mitigate risk and uh, how might you tell them about the 831B program? Yeah, you know, it's a, an elevator pitch is always a tough one because, you know, as soon as I tell people I'm in the insurance world, they're like, uh, okay. You, you've got, you've got about three minutes. Guy, but, I'll give you about uh, three no, minutes. We'll pretend there's a stop along the way. Per, from our perspective, uh, you know, it, it keeps you up in that. What are the things that, you know, if you've been in business long enough, you've experienced something that's been negative that you thought was covered that wasn't covered. When I was back in the insurance world, selling traditional insurances, I'd had clients calling me all the time. And I felt like I was the guy that was denying claims all the time because I was like, no, that's not covered. That's not covered. That's not covered. I mean, so, again, the business owners typically drive the bus for us in, in, in our conversations because 
they'll tell you what they've experienced. I, I can tell you, if I, when I first got into this, supply chain risk was an all-time high risk for a lot of businesses. And unfortunately, they didn't, until they experienced it, they never thought about it. Um, you know, I think last year is another good example. I think a lot of business owners, for the first time, I mean, they had an all-risk policy, or their insurance agent said, you're covered for all risk. They found out real quickly they weren't. Uh, and so that's really where we start with our conversations with businesses, business owners, like what, what can we do to, be, what keeps you up at night? And a lot of the times it's healthcare, you know, all these other things that go on in the world, but you know, even in the healthcare arena, there's an answer for that under this tax code. So again, you know, business owners, um, and, and, and I can't say it enough, Dave, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today because, you know, we're, we're, we want to get the word out. We want to get education out. And, and again, there's a bit of abuses on the code, but at the same time, the code's not going anywhere. Congress is a big believer in the program, and I think COVID-19 resonates that, unfortunately, more than ever. Yeah. Van, in about 60 seconds, you mentioned um, healthcare is one of the main items that keep your clients up at night. What are some of the other items that you might throw out there that the audience can listen to and understand and think about? You know, I think the other one is... is <laughs> employer liability practices, I think uh, dispute resolutions. You know, when we have 80% of the barred attorneys living in one country in the world, uh, you know, you're gonna have, it's gonna be litigious. And that's where we're at today. I, I, I foresee an issue coming in the horizon where courts are gonna be jammed up with a lot of issues surrounding COVID-19, a lot of lawsuits coming. Um, and it will be interesting to see. But, you know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of companies out there that are going to have, find out they don't have a, they call it a right to defend under the liability statutes, and they're going to find out they're not going to have coverage. And, um, you know, legal costs are expensive. Again, if you're doing well, put something off to the side, it's just good, just good risk mitigation, because we don't know what's going to come at us. You know, when you look at supply chain, we talked about, you know, being forced to be shut down. you got political risk now. You've got cyber. Cyber's off the charts risk, right? I mean, look at the amount of data we're collecting now, right now on all our clients that we're, we're ultimately responsible for. Um, so there's just a ton of things out there, unfortunately, that business owners, um, you know, you never know how good your insurance is until you have to go use it. And unfortunately, you know, if you've been in business long enough, you, you will have been disappointed by it. And uh, that's unfortunate. But this is a tool you can look at and whether you, you know, decide to go forward or not, I think you owe it to yourself to, to certainly investigate. Yep, great advice. Van, thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. It was great having you here. Thank you, I appreciate the opportunity. Sure thing. And thank you at home for watching and listening to Behind the Numbers. We can't do this without you. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can stay in touch with us and all that we're up to. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. If you'd like to have a conversation with me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and at brileyfin.com. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.